Welcome to the Business with Bordeaux podcast, where we're bringing basic business tips to entrepreneurs and the future leaders of tomorrow. Let's get down to business. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Business with Bordeaux podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. I do have some sad news for you. Uh, there's only going to be a few episodes left of this show. Uh, unfortunately, it's just it's just kind of at that point. Where uh, you know when you're you're writing a series of books and you feel like you know this this must end, and uh, I'm not sure uh, what's going to happen next. I do know I'm trying to get one more interview scheduled. One more. It's going to be a really good one too. Uh, I'm excited about it. And then I'm gonna do kind of a finale episode. I'm not quite sure what I'm gonna do with that yet. I've had some great ideas, some great suggestions. But uh, when that drops, I will let you know uh, when it is the final episode. So stay tuned. There's a couple more left uh, before the show will be done. Uh, I, I'm really grateful for our supporters of the show. Uh, Jay Sannon, LT Smith, both are, uh, are great indie artists. I want you to check them out. Links to their music is in the description of the show, the notes and all that stuff. And also Aaron Simpkins at True Strength Apparel. He's been supporting since day one. And, uh, and, and thank you so much for y'all just kind of rocking with the show for so long. I mean, this has been like four years or so. And, uh, and I know, you know, here later and later and later in the show uh, or in the, the progress of the show, I've been getting more spread out with the actual uh, amount of episodes going out. And, uh, and that's, you know, kind of part of the reason why I'm going to eventually end it. But uh, anyway, today we do have an interview. And, you know, like I said... Uh, you know, it's been a while since I posted one, and this interview is actually a couple months old. It's with uh, Hayden Cockrell. He actually created a comic book, a graphic novel, which is called The Crimson Six. This is a Christian uh, author and illustrator. I actually met him through, uh, well, I first heard about him through a Track Stars Noteworthy, and so I can't remember how I found him, but I eventually I found him. I looked him up. And we ended up chopping it up, and he, he released his book. And so we talked about the process and what that was like. And so uh, hopefully you will learn some really great stuff from this interview. And uh, worst comes to worst, or you know, you will at least hear what the process of using uh, kind of Amazon and their process for doing graphic novels. So this isn't uh, the typical music industry type of a thing, but uh, there's still some great stuff in here. So hopefully you enjoy my interview with Hayden Cockrell. I do want to apologize up front. Uh, the intro of this is a little bit loud, and my vocals are different. I wasn't able to separate the audio clips like I'm normally able to do, so my side's a little rougher than normal, but uh, hopefully you'll enjoy the interview just the same. Enjoy. All righty. Welcome back to another Business with Bordeaux podcast interview, and I'm also simultaneously doing this for Solomon's Porch podcast as well. Uh, because I have with me today on the shows, uh, he's a, a comic book artist, illustrator, uh, Arthur. I, I guess it's all wrapped up into one at this point. Uh, he released a, a brand new book, his first book called The Crimson Six. Uh, you can check that out on Amazon, and, um, and I'll have a link for that so you can go check it out as well. Uh, full, It's like a full-blown graphic novel book uh, with multiple chapters, and... Um, and yeah, I have with me uh, Hayden Cockrell. Did I say that name right? You did. You did. Right, it's, cool. it's a terrible last name. <laughs> well, normally, like normally, I'll try to make sure I say the last name right, and I didn't even 
think about testing that this time. Um, so yeah, but anyway, man, uh, how you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. How about yourself? Doing all right, man. Doing all right. So we had a lot of comic book conversation before we even started this interview. Uh, yeah. so, <laughs> so we've already warped <laughs> up our voices and everything. Uh, but yeah, man, I gotta say, uh, I've read it. I finished it off this morning, and I think it was great. Um, so we'll we'll get into the the book specifically a little bit later in the interview, man. But uh, but first of all, I want to say I actually found you uh, through Track Stars. You had yes. you did a noteworthy a while back, and I'm not even sure how I how I found you in association to that noteworthy. I don't know how I did that, but uh, I was glad I did because you do a lot of great artwork. Um, and like I said, this this brand new book is great. And uh, but anyway, Christian guy who does comic books, uh, which for some reason in the Christian world, that's just not that common. Um, yeah, I mean, it is common, but it's not like um, it's very much like Bible man type stuff. <laughs> like if there okay. is stuff, you know, what I mean, or it's just a merely Bible story adaptation. So it's either you can watch Samson fight a lion or you can watch a man dressed up with a Bible as a shield. You know what I mean? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah, Solomon's Porch. You know, we have a um, uh, we have an affiliate sponsorship with uh, Kingstone Comics, and yeah, yeah, and they have a lot of stuff like that. And we got a couple of issues here at, um, in the studio that I got for guests and whatnot. Um, and and the artwork and everything is great. You know, they got people from DC and Marvel and all sorts of stuff doing the artwork for them. And um, and so, but yeah, man. Uh, so let's let's jump into a little bit uh, about yourself. Um, you know, what what's kind of your your story journey coming up? into doing this oh man uh, let's see i'll try to like do a more condensed version but uh so basically like i've always loved to draw ever since i was a kid and i come from a very like i don't come from necessarily an artistic family but i have a lot of artists in my family on both sides so i kind of like inherited that gift like my grandma used to back in i think like the 40s or something like that she would get paid to like paint the outside of grocery stores and do stuff like that and then, like, my grandpa on my other side has always been drawing and painting. And my dad, like, he still has these posters. Like, he used to draw cars really well. Like, they looked real, like the photos and stuff. But I've always loved to draw. I always loved superheroes. Spider-Man's always been my dude. I love Spider-Man. He's my guy. And then, basically, I just, I would always draw. And then, in high school, when you start, when you have to start thinking about what you want to do, you start thinking about it more and more and more. And then, like, Eventually, I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to, like, try to learn to draw and just see what happens. I actually try to learn it. So I picked up the book, How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way, which I'm sure, like, that's just, like, the one that everyone goes to and talks about. And it's like, yeah. So I did that, and then I started showing it to people, and people were like, oh, this is actually really good. So I started to build confidence, and eventually, uh, a pat one of my pastors at the time saw my art and actually hired me to work on one of his businesses. Oh. And so like that started to create a lot more confidence. And then through like talking to him about it and talking to some other people, they were like, uh, basically just encouraged me to just try to do this and just try to do like freelance art and stuff, all that, you know? And like, so I did, and I, there's been so many, like, there's different like moments that I feel like God, like just broke in and like provided for me when there was a time when I was just, like terrified, you know, but I won't go into all those because there's so many, <laughs> but <laughs> like, it's just like too many, but basically like, all that happened and it brought me to this point and then i met pastor bob who is the heavy metal pastor who's like of sanctuary 
and he saw my Instagram account, and we were talking about something completely different. Like we were we were uh, FaceTiming about didn't even have to do with any of this stuff, and he was like, "Oh, hey, by the way, like I love your art. If you can find a way to make a comic book about that somehow makes like heavy metal superheroes, we'll help you publish it and promote it." And so then I was like, "Okay, here we go." So then like, and that's kind of how we got to the Crimson Six. Like, <laughs> so um. So your your first kind of uh, I guess your first paid gig were you doing like comic book type of art or was it a different type of art? It was a it was like more like graphic design type art. It was more like illustration. So it okay. was I had to draw a lion's head and a lamb's head back to back type thing, but it looked almost like a tattoo kind of like a black and white tattoo is what it looked like. You ever thought about doing tattoos? I have. I suck at tattoos, <laughs> man. I am not good. <laughs> like. You wouldn't think they're that hard, but it's, like, a real, like, talent, man. Like, you can't just, especially, too, because it's, like, if you want to draw on paper, you can do whatever you want, but then you can draw something awesome, and then you realize you have to wrap that thing around a cap or, like, around an arm, you know? So, mm -hmm. it's, like, it's rough, and it's also easy to make it look terrible. <laughs> like, right, so, right. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I never like, thought about that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not my cup of tea. <laughs> Gotcha. So, um, so you, you are a Christian. Um, how did you find track stars? I'm just curious. Track stars. Okay. The way I found them. So I got in, so my, the year I graduated high school, I got into CHH and like Lecrae and Tripoli and all of them. Like I'm, I'm a metalhead first, but I really got into CHH because I love how like sincere and honest a lot of the lyrics are compared to a lot of music that's on like mainstream Christian where it's just like fluffy and stuff. So I got really into like Lecrae, you know. <laughs> fluffy <laughs> and stuff. I like that. <laughs> but I got into like Lecrae, Triple E and stuff. And then I eventually, because I got more into that, I started looking up like interviews and I found um, Wado, Wado Radio. And so I started listening to Wado Radio and then one day the track stars were interviewed by Wado. So I was like, oh, these dudes seem cool. So then I followed track stars and then I, I loved like all the different segments they had. And so like literally what I would do is like I would draw all day. I would do um, other like yard work and stuff for people. But when I'd be drawing, I would just be listening to track stars basically. And then just like work. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then eventually I wrote in that noteworthy that you found me through. But yeah, like I think I'm pretty sure that's how I found track stars. I, that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Well, it was cool, man. I, I got to get him on the show one time. I know he lives like not even an hour from me. Oh. And, and I hit him up a while ago because he moved from, I guess, I don't know if it was New Jersey, I think it was, to North Carolina. Um, and when I heard that, I was like, oh, snap. And so uh, I think after COVID and all that, then I'm going to try to reach out again and, uh, and get him on the show because uh, he's got a lot of wisdom, too, and, and experience. Yeah. So um, so uh, have you drawn any, like, like CHH type of artwork? I have not. Not okay, yet. Curious. I'm not good at like doing likenesses, like you know, making them look cool. Like I can do like a cartoon version of it, but if I, I'm afraid that if I tried to do like a cool CHH thing, I would make it look terrible and then just like, <laughs> like on an accident. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So how long does it take for you to do like a, like just say one of the characters uh, from the book? Um, obviously some of them have a little more detail, but how how okay? I'll say this. How long does it take for you to do a panel? Oh. Well, it depends on how big the panel is. I I guess, like, here, I'll answer you indirectly. The, it takes me one day to draw, to pencil one page. Okay. And so, like, 
but sometimes it will take a little bit longer than that, depending on if it's like, you know, some panels are super easy because all you have to do is like an outline. But in other panels, you have to draw like a building falling down and all this stuff or whatever. So it can depend. But I would say like probably an average of three hours per panel, I would say. That's just average. I'm just pulling that out. Like I have no idea. I'm pulling that out of the hat right now. <laughs> How long did it take for you to do the the Jason and Sean metalhead for a song? Uh, that that took me about. I would say that took me probably like five hours, just because okay. the for like coloring and all on top of it, and I yeah. wanted to make sure it didn't come out looking poofy. Gotcha. <laughs> so the coloring adds a, a huge amount. Does that add like a lot of time to it or no? Not really. I'm not the best at color, so I just wanted okay. to make sure I was like. So for me, it's not as as a confident thing. So it's more like, oh, I did this. Oh, I'm gonna rethink that. Okay, I'm gonna redo that. Like for me, that's where I'm at with coloring, just because there's so much to coloring that's just you don't like think about, and it's really easy to make coloring look bad. So it's just one of those things. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, obviously, in a lot of you know, the mainstream comics in general, you know, they have, uh, you know, author, illustrator, letters, coloring. Um, and you did, so the book, I mean, the, the front of it's got black, white, and red. Um, yeah. And so in, in the back a little bit too. And, and, and the inside of the book is, is black and white, uh, which I'll be honest, I didn't realize that was a thing until I started reading. Uh, I, I, I kind of shortly read The Walking Dead a little bit okay. on Comixology. And I didn't realize they made like just black and white comics. Um, and so, and I understand, you know, why if one, if you don't have the money to pay a colorist, but two, uh, coloring can be so, so funny, man. It's uh, like, and like that, I think that's why I love black and white. It's cause I don't have to think about it. Like <laughs> I don't have to match and gray, you know, like, like shades and all that stuff. I'm just like, man, I just want something simple, easy, basic. I ain't got to think about it. Um, you know, even in high school, like, you know, people had specific type of shoe, color shoe that matched their jersey, that matched their hat. <laughs> that was way too complicated for me. I just, not only was it expensive, but I just couldn't figure out the color schemes. Uh, so, so I, I definitely rock with the uh, the black and white. Um, so how did the, the story or what was it that made you finally say, okay, I'm going to do an actual book? Um. Okay, so it goes back to, like, when Bob was like, hey, if you can make a book that's based off of heavy metal superheroes, we'll help you promote it. And I was like, okay, sweet. And he was, uh, and he was like, I'd, I'd prefer if we do it to do it like a book, not just, like, single issues. Because uh, people, he said, like, with this type of thing, people will tend to buy the big book more than they will try to keep up with all those single issues. For someone who, like, who's never met me, like, because I don't have a name out there yet, you know what I mean? Like, right. I'm not, I'm not Greg Capullo or Scott Snyder or something like that, <laughs> but, or Jim Lee or anything, you know what I mean? So I was like, okay, sweet. And so basically he gave me, he was like, hey, what would be really fun is if you made, like, if you were able to incorporate different genres of, different genres of metal and have each character represent a different genre. And I was like, okay, sweet. And he was like, and he said one thing as a joke where he was like, oh, it'd be funny if you like, oh, it'd be cool. He's like, oh, you have to make the uh, the villain a pop star. But he said it as a joke, but I was like, okay, I'm gonna see what I can do here. So <laughs> basically, <laughs> so what I did is I took that and I was like, okay, I'm gonna see what I can do. And I, at first I was, so the day that he gave that to me, I was super excited about it. And then all of a sudden, I was like, I'm, like, not good enough. Like, I can't do this. I've never written a book before, you know? And I started freaking out. 
And I was like, okay, I'm not going to do it. And so, like, for a couple of days, I was like, no, I'm, a, I'm just going to tell him I can't do it. I'm just going to tell him, like, I can't because I don't want to. And I'm not going to be good. And I'm going to ruin it. And then, like, literally the next morning, he called me and was like, hey, I was praying and you were on my heart. And I really feel like God uh, wanted me to encourage you on this book. And I was like, all right. So I took, I was like, okay, so now, like, I'm in. So let's do it. And basically with the stories, I just kind of. I did all the research I could. So I bought these books that like are actually taught in certain curriculums, so like SCAD, if you ever heard of um, that uh, Savannah College of Art and Design, I think is what it stands for. They have a comic book program. So I ordered a book on how to write comics from that program area from one of the professors. So I read through that thing. I read through the hero's journey or whatever, like not the book, but the, the template. It's like the template that George Lucas used when he made Star Wars. Okay. So I did all that. I lay, I figured out the best thing I could. And I just tried to do all that while trying to keep like an allegory message going on for like the gospel. Cause that's kind of like where I feel called. Cause it's like, I feel like to make comic books that first and foremost are just good books, but that also get across the message of the gospel, like to believers and non-believers alike. And if, if you're not a Christian, you can still enjoy it. But if you are, you can get something out of it. And if you're not, maybe you can get a glimpse of it. So, okay, sweet. So basically, I just put that all together. I would listen to people. Like, I'd read, like, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien. Those are my dudes and just stuff like that. And eventually, it came together. It took me about, I would say, a month to write it, like, first draft. And I had to, like, re-edit it and stuff like that. But eventually, it came to be. And that's kind of how that happened. So how long was the full process of creating it? Uh, Two years. Wow. Yeah. And that's just one book. Now, do you think... Um, do you think it took that long just because you were learning and trying to figure it out? Like, do you think if you did another one, it would take less time? Yeah, I, for sure. I mean, it would still take a while because it's a pretty big process, but I was also still learning a lot. Whereas now, once you draw, like once you got to the point where you draw like five panels a day for two years, the, it's a lot faster now. So like, I could totally, like, when I first started, it took me a month to do four pages. And now I got to the place where it took me two days to have one page fully finished, like pencil and ink together so yeah i could definitely do it <laughs> gotcha gotcha because i was wondering i was like man if it took two years to do that uh that'd be a long road to going full time or a lot of copies sold to yeah. go full time um so would you like to do this full time i mean i feel like the easy answer is yes but yeah yeah okay it, yes like <laughs> it's my it's my like my dream you know like i would love to do it because it's just like I, I love it. Like, I've done other artwork and stuff, and other artwork is fun, but I love this because I love storytelling, and, mm -hmm. like, specifically. So it's just, like, because I've, like, I've done work for, like, Fox Sports and stuff, too, but, like, there's no, nothing beats just, like, being able to tell a story with art. So the, uh, so did you come up with the, like, do you think about, like, do you visualize the story as you're writing it, or do you just kind of think about a good story in your head and then worry about the visuals later? How does that work out? Uh, so yes and no. So what I do is I'll think in my head, I, I kind of like, I think of a story in my head, but I think of it as a movie. So it's like, I'm like watching it in my head, but I don't visualize it in comic book form though. I visualize it as if I'm watching a movie and it's actually live action and stuff like that. And then I have that figured out. So when I'm writing the story and just like thinking about the main, like the main big plot points, I'm thinking about it in that way. And then when I actually have to write it in comic book format, that's when I start to visualize like what it would look like per panel and be like, okay, I don't do Marvel method. Like uh, there's a, there's two different ways 
that are popular to, to write a comic book script, and one is called Marvel Method, which Stan Lee did, which he would just write, like, for one page, he would say, people fight. And then the next page, he would write, Sue Storm talks to the thing for three pages. Like, we're stuff like that, and then the artist would just kind of, like, figure it out as he goes. Whereas, like, I'm more of, like, I have to have everything planned out, or else I'll just fall apart and be look mm-hmm. terrible and stuff. But, yeah, so I guess, you know, I... I visualize them, but in different steps, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So how did the um, the inspiration for the actual look of the characters come from? Um, so it goes back to, since each one uh, represents a different type of metal, I wanted to try to encapsulate what that metal looked like, you know? And some were a lot easier than others. For example, like Magnus, the black metal guy, he's pretty easy because black metal has a very distinct look. And so I was like, okay, sweet. And I thought it'd be cool to make him like the giant and the guy who just like, you know, who can put him up, who's just ready to fight. But then also like when it came to, for example, like Spectacle or Jackie, who's the more glam metal, I tried to make, I looked up a whole bunch of pictures of those old like 80s bands that are all like, they all look like girls basically. <laughs> and then gotcha. I was like, I was trying to look up like, but still keeping it with superhero. Which, it was tough. So I tried to figure out a way to like cool. So like, one thing that he has is, like, I tried just, like, small things. It's, like, those weird, like, armbands that a lot of people would wear back then just for the fun uh-huh. of it. So I tried to throw those on, and he has, like, a little, like, um, cloth hanging off from his waist, which a lot of people did that in the glam metal bands and just stuff like that. And also, I tried to incorporate in personalities. And then, like, Luke, the leader, uh, I basically tried to just, like, find what you think of when you think of, like, metalhead and just try to, like, encapsulate with him for example like the leather jacket with the spikes and stuff like that basically just like stuff like that some were harder like ronnie was a lot harder because he was metalcore and i feel like metalcore is one of the hardest to try to visually explain you know because it's it doesn't have a distinct look you know but that's basically right. how i was able to do that and also too i just wanted to make sure it look cool <laughs> i gotcha. was like oh spikes now how do you obviously there's been thousands of different heroes and looks and stuff like that how do you uh what was your approach on did you try to make them look somewhat distinct or were you okay with them kind of sort of looking like other people that are already known uh what was your approach to that uh so the goal was to make them look like their own there was a lot that like when i finished it there was uh, I would see people would be like, oh, this guy looks like this guy, kind of. But, like, not like a copy, but just, like, he has similarities to this one guy. And, like, at first I was really discouraged by it. Like, the main villain, his name is Reaper. And I remember posting a picture a while back to a Facebook group. And I had, like, 20 different comments. And 20 people, like, each comment was like, oh, this dude looks like this guy. But every single comment was a different guy, though. Okay. okay. So I was like... Okay, so so at first I was discouraged, but I was like, but if you think about it, if you can tell me that he looks like 20 different people, though, I don't feel as, like, insecure about it, because that means, like, he still looks different. Right. Because if you can name he looks like 20 other different distinct people, then that means there's 20 different attributes going, you know what I mean? But yeah. it's like, for that, like, it, it is also a pride thing, too, because it's like, for me, like, you want to be the guy who, like, does something revolutionary like no one's ever thought of it you know <laughs> like yeah i'm gonna make a guy when in reality like dude comic books have been going on for like i don't even like for forever but, like since the 1920s at least i'm pretty sure and so it's like with the dude with the yellow jacket whatever so they've been going on for a long time and to think that i'm gonna come along and make something that looks 100 percent original is actually like pretty arrogant i hope like it didn't i don't i like i didn't intentionally like, rip anybody off or anything so i think we're good there but like I, I tried to make it the 
basically instead of trying to figure out to make it look different, I just tried to say, how can I make it look the coolest it can be? Right. Is right. It, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing there was only two of them where I looked at and I was like, okay, this looks uh specific, you know, more specific. And I'd say that was uh uh the the, the biggest dude. Uh you know, I you know, being a DC fan, I saw Lobo. Gotcha. Um, and then the Reaper in this specific one, not in the book itself, but on the cover, it kind of reminded me of Ultron, the way he was looking back. Oh, okay. uh, so that was about it. Those are the only two I looked at and thought immediately, okay, that looks like somebody. But uh, but the the other thing, too, is I was wondering why you had so many long hair characters, but I guess if you were doing metal, it yeah. makes sense on why. Um, that was one thing I, I, didn't, I, I didn't understand. It was different versions of metal, so now it makes more sense. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> But yeah, man. So, uh, so what was the process on like after you finished doing the book? Uh, what was your process of getting it published? Um, so we did KDP, which is Amazon's self-publishing tool, and they publish it for you. So basically, what we'd had, what we had to do is I worked with a guy named Steve who helped me format it. Who's like his full-time job is he does that for other people. So we had to export all the pages, resize them, do all that, and then load it up to KDP and. It was actually very frustrating because we would get everything done and then we would send it if they would have like the previewer would preview it and then we'd submit it and they'd reject it because the formatting was like off or whatever. So like if in the book, instead of white gutters, they're gray gutters. Originally, they were white gutters. But what happened is they have a rule where like the AI that checks the book kept thinking that it was like an image that got cut off. So it would reject it every single time. So basically we had to add a light gray so that it thought the whole page was an image. And so then it would accept it. So it was like stuff like that where it wasn't too bad, but it was very much just like a headache and just like the stuff that it's like, you wish someone else would just do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what I want to do, but like you have to do it. And like now that we know how to do it, it's a lot easier, but it's just stuff like that where it's like, it, it was, it wasn't too bad right now. I'm working on getting an ebook version out and that, is a lot easier because I'm able to do it on my own and it's not, I, you don't have to worry about it being printed. So there's way less formatting stuff that you have to do, but yeah, that's basically what it is. Yeah. I know, um, you know, it, it, it definitely seems like doing the, the artwork and stuff, especially that much could be a pain. Uh, was it, so did, did the whole entire thing just, just uh just shrink down like, or did you have to change any of the photos like um into fit format um not really luckily uh we did enough research before i started it that okay. we had the right ratio so when we had to resize it we just had to scale it down okay. so everything there were a couple of things that we had to just because of the format thing uh it kept things so i had you know how, like, sometimes in comic books, someone will be knocked off a panel and the figure will be coming out of the panel? There were a couple of things that I had to actually, like, just cut off that and just make it contained in the panel, which, like, I didn't like, but I had to do it in order for it to be accepted. But other than that, like, and then we had to change the lettering around a lot because the lettering was out in the non-safe space and it wouldn't mm -hmm. allow it. So, like, we had to do a couple things with that, but other than that, we were pretty good with that. Yeah, I, you know, I was reading it, and I was thinking about, you know, it, it's different when when you're reading a Batman comic, you don't think about, you know, how they were able to do X, Y, Z. But, like, you know, knowing that you did this kind of indie, and I was like, man, I wonder what it took to do X, Y, Z, this, that, and the other. Um, so that's pretty cool. 
And I was going to say when you were talking about the publishing part or whatever being the headache, uh, that's why people charge lots of money to do it. For yes. You. So did did you look at all at other publishers, or were you planning on doing it any the whole time? Um. Well, so the I think like the main plan was to do it indie because with so Bob Pastor Bob he he does his books through KDP as well, and he actually does like really well for it. And so he's like, oh, we'll just do it like that way. And I was like, okay, sweet. And I have looked at a couple other publishers while doing it. Like I was looking at Alterna, but I, the thing is, I don't think that book is like ready to be like submitted to that type of publisher yet. You know, it's like a whole, like I want, if I do that, like I want to like get a colorist and make it pop out a little bit more and make it more interesting. Like if it's going to be like single issues and stuff, you know, like maybe black and white would work. It's hard to tell with like major audiences like that, but I've, thought, I've definitely thought about different ones, but this was the best choice at this point in time. If if I do something again, I'm definitely going to look into other options, but this is the best option because it's also print-on-demand, so I don't have to buy stock. So they just, like, once they order it, they print it, so I don't have to buy a bunch of copies and hope that I sell them, So which is nice as a first-time ordeal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, so can you keep up like with your live tracking of how many are ordered and things like that? Or do you just get like a thing at the end of the month or end of the quarter? How does that work? So you can, the problem is, is so if it's a Kindle book, it gets updated once it gets purchased. If it's a paperback book, they don't report the sale until the book has been shipped. And also even at that is sometimes they use their expanded printers. And if that happens, you don't find out 30 days it's been printed so it's like on one hand i can track but it's very delayed so i don't really have an accurate picture of what we're working with here <laughs> gotcha gotcha do you have an idea right now how many has been ordered uh right now the the total that's been like officially confirmed on the site is like 100 around 100 that's pretty cool man that's cool yeah i it's it's definitely insane it's like whoa it's like there's more people than just my family are buying this <laughs> right right I was like, hey. Yeah, I know whenever, um, like, whenever I did my, like, you know, I, did, I do music periodically, and so I, I, I released my first single, and, uh, and I was expecting, like, only to have myself and maybe a couple of friends who would listen to it, and, and a few more did, and, uh, and the same with, like, podcasts, and I first put out podcasts, you know, it's like, you expect just the people closest around you, and then you're like, oh, there's actually some other people that enjoy what I do. Um, yeah. and so in your mind, like, do you think, um, what's your approach on like trying to have the, what, okay. What do numbers mean to you? Let me ask that. Ooh, like you mean like sales numbers and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be completely honest, I've been going through like a time where it's like, <laughs> I've been caring too much about the numbers lately. Like for me, and it's, it's really hard because it's like, you're trying it's a balancing act because on one hand you're like okay like i care about the mission of it like i want to make stuff that serves people and loves people and like hopefully preaches the gospel if not just makes a good book that someone can enjoy on the other hand you're like i would also like to make this like a business and to make a living off of it and so that's a really hard tension to hold and my problem is i naturally always end up doing the wrong thing so it's like <laughs> so i'm like like I'll find myself caring way more about the numbers than I should be and not caring enough about like the reason behind it. And as one to be honest, I don't really have like a solution to that yet. I'm still figuring that out. 
But I would say numbers shouldn't matter as much to me as they do, which I'm working right. through. <laughs> oh, working yeah. I think anybody who does anything artistically with a, uh, especially with a, uh, a gospel mission of some sort, uh, struggles with that. You know, it's the same with like, you know, like church attendance. Pastors yeah. suffer with this too. Um, and so, you know, so it's like, you know, you're trying to see, okay, uh, you know, I have a lot of music people that listen to this. So, you know, if you make a song, how many sales did it get? How many streams did it get? Obviously, you know, you're worrying about quality. Does it sound good enough? Um, can it compete with mainstream so that other people who aren't Christian might listen to it and get the message and things like that? Then you're, then again, the business aspect, like, is this, is enough resources going to come in to allow me to do this more or hire people to help me and things like that? Yeah. Uh, so I think it's very, um, and that's why, like, honestly, with, with Solomon's Porch, like, I, I kind of quit staring at the numbers. So I used to look at them every day, every oh, single day. Dang. I'd look at them, and I'm like, I finally got to the point where it was like, people ask me, how many listeners have you got yet? The only only time I ever look up my listenership or our listenership is if uh, a, a, a potential sponsor asked me. Gotcha. That's it. That's it. Um, but, like, you know, because as a Christian – and with Solomon's Porch being such a ministry-focused type of a podcast, um, I don't want to be stressing about numbers and then trying to figure out, oh, well, how do we gain more listeners? How can we this, that, and the other? And um, and so, so yeah, man, it's I feel like for every Christian that has uh, the the heart to do something full time, um, no matter what it is, I feel like numbers is one of those struggles that we have. Absolutely. And the hard thing, too, is like there's I would say there's an argument that also too like just make working to make a successful business can also be a godly thing if done right. Yeah. You know, the, it, it's just so hard to like get there. Like, it's like I know my own heart and I know that like I can strive for that motive, but rarely is that my motive, you know, like because it, it's just hard because you got this like one hand. You're like, OK it's a good thing to be responsible and to try to build a business for the sake of being able to keep it sustained. So you're not dependent on anybody. Right. But you also have this other thing where you want to get the mission out there. You want people to be helped by it and you don't want the, the like the numbers to be the main thing, but you also understand that you do need to be responsible with what you have, but you need to be a good steward over it. It's just like, it's, it's a headache, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I think the magic ingredient behind it might be, you know, focusing more on what the numbers represent yes um does it represent how many people like me how many people like my artwork how many people like my song my lyrics my product my whatever um because then you know it becomes more about me instead of you know are people getting the gospel from this are people you know being more intrigued about the Christian faith, things like that. And so it, when you look at it like that, I think it changes the the name of the game. Um, and I think that's why, like, you know, like with like, you know, churches and like the financial resources, they're like, you know, we were able to do this much missional work with the money. And that's what the money represented. It wasn't just we were able to raise this much money to have cash. Yeah. Uh, so, so kind of going back to your mission, like, what is your, your mission? Um, like, 
you know, I, I remember when you brought in the track stars, you were, you were asking their opinion on making like Christian explicit type of, of stuff or like more undercover covert Christian messages and themes. Is that kind of more you're on the, the second one? Uh, yeah, more allegorical. So like more like you don't have to be a Christian to enjoy it. But if you're a Christian, you can see the themes behind it and be like, oh, OK, like I'd say like my main mission that I've had is like to help others understand how much God loves them, like through stories to like. And so like if you're a Christian or non-Christian, you can re- you can find that. And some people, they might just read the book and then put it down and it's just a book like that's just that just might just happen but then like i'm hoping that some people can read it and be encouraged by it and like see the message behind it and be like oh like for me i know i one way that i really like learn well is if i see an illustration of it so like i love movies and i love it when there's a moment in a movie that it's, it's not a christian movie it's just like let's say like true grit or or something like that where there's a scene where like something clearly happens you're like oh my gosh like that's a super clear picture of like the gospel right there like a a lady just got fell into a pit and got bit by a snake and this old man is literally going to go down to be with her and sacrifice his life to get her out type thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like, Oh my gosh, like something like that, like where it's like, and then I mean, when you think of that, it brings you back to the gospel and helps you understand, like not, um, I don't want to say emotional, but just like that, the whole aspect behind it. And it hits harder than just someone saying, Oh, by the way, someone like Jesus loves you. And it's like, that's important too, but like to really be able to like, get that like i love timothy keller and timothy keller talks about artistically driving the gospel into you until you get it and so a lot of times when i write these stories i write them almost towards myself to help me understand it and then just kind of like like what chuck smendall says like when he preaches a sermon like he's preaching to himself and everyone else is there to listen like right i mean it's kind of like that is my approach i've done that too the whole preaching to yourself like you know whatever i'm going through struggling with like a lot of times i'll build a sermon around that like what's the biblical response to this situation in my life yeah um see i feel that it's funny i've never actually heard him called timothy keller i've always just heard tim keller oh yeah i I, maybe i feel more smart when i say timothy (laughs) timothy timothy keller when you said that i was trying to i was like Oh, wait, hold on, wait. Uh, I feel like I know that name, but <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't know why. It's, I I think I just have fun saying Timothy. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, man. So, uh, so what's so is your plan to to do a the Crimson Six Part Two or do a different book? What's your kind of next goal? So, I mean, it kind of depends on uh, the opportunities that come. I have number two plotted already. Like number two is already plotted out. I just have to like write it out and all that but all of the main plots and stuff so i would like to do number two but obviously depending on like for example if another opportunity comes up or if god opens the door for something else or just or if this gets shut down like you know like there's so many things that could happen i would love to do a number two but if something else happens like i've had a couple offers to work on other people's books so that mm-hmm. might be cool too and it, it's just hard to it's i'm kind of in a <laughs> weird limbo place right now where people are like still finishing their project and they're seeing if I would want to do it once it's done, like that type of thing. But yeah, I would love to do like, I love the, I'm not a huge manga fan, but one thing I do love about manga is that they, they stick to it for a long period of time. So like Alita or that type of stuff, they just work on that for like 15 years. And like, I really like that because you get real character development. And then I would love to see like 15 years from now, like if the Crimson Six, if I made a Crimson Six for 15 years, how different the newest book would be compared to the first one and how much like I like not just art would get better, but just everything. You know what I mean? So I would love to keep doing it, but yeah. 
You never know. <laughs> yeah, I know with some of the characters, uh, you know, I feel like in this book, you obviously get a little bit more um, from a few than you do the others. Yes. Uh, which obviously you got, you know, kind of the lead characters and things like that. And, uh, and one of the things that, you know, I've seen that's tough a lot of times is to have e- equal character development, you know, which is why now after she's dead, they're doing a Black Widow movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till she dies and see how much everybody misses her. And then we'll put a movie. Out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you get the character development after death. That's, that's kind of sad, but, um, uh, <laughs> But yeah, so uh, so I tell you what, man. Let, let let's jump into some uh, some other preferences of yours. So uh, so you know, Metalhead. What are some of your top Christian metal bands? Ooh, okay. I love Disciple. Disciple, okay. the guys. I like uh, Decipher Down or Des. I, Decipher Down, pretty sure. I no, I do. I have no idea. I like uh, Memphis May Fire. I like a lot of them. Like I'm I'm trying to think of like I like uh, War of Ages. I like um, Thousand Foot Crutch. For today, for today's not around anymore, but I'm I love for today. I've got a lot of bands that used to be technically Christian bands, but they're not anymore. Like Azalea Dying, like I love yeah. Azalea Dying, but they're <laughs> you know they had kind of a under you know, oath. Yeah, I I never got into under oath. I I just I don't think I I just never got into them. I never heard them before, I guess. So I never okay. really got into them. But a lot of those types of bands I didn't really get into. Like of that more like poppy, not poppy, but I guess like I don't know what you call like more punky type metal i didn't really get into a lot of those at the time or like um oh sleeper i kind of got into oh sleeper but not a whole lot but gfm is a very it's kind of a newer band and so three sisters and they call themselves beauty core and they're really good um Fireflight, man I, there's so many man <laughs> yeah 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 i was trying to see how far back you went i know uh you know we did a segment on our podcast that was uh top metal bands and we had some people that answered, and they like dug into the deep well, like way back. Um, and so, yeah, um, most of those bands I rock with too. I know uh, Sean from uh, Solomon's Porch. He, his number one band is Disciple. Yes. Uh, so he, he he loves some Disciple, and I do too. Uh, uh, their last album was was good. Um, Panic Room was was incredible. Yes. So, uh, Dude, I love that. I I love yeah. like Andrew Schwab Andrew Schwab yelling on it or screaming yeah. on it. It's so good. It's like, oh man. So did you know that he, uh, this is kind of a side note, Andrew Sh- 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 Schwab, <laughs> yeah, I'm messed up now, um, he actually did the uh, the the writing for KJ52's uh, book. Oh, I didn't he know. Was like the, he was like the editor, I think, or something like that. So essentially, KJ52 like did, did, did like a voice memo of his book, you know, he like did it whatever, and then Andrew Schwab took it and uh, and put it on paper. Oh dang! So yeah, I was like, yeah, that's one. You know, KJ52 and Project 86 are totally different spheres of music. Yeah. Uh, but it was still cool because you know, I, I guess they used to be label mates and things like that. So they did some you know big shows and stuff together. Uh, I, I just thought it was pretty cool. I was like, oh okay. So it was interesting to see even you know people that we know them for are doing things that don't seem like be things that they would do. Well. He also, Andrew Schwab is like, he's kind of like a jack of all trades, but like in a good way, like where like he's like, because he out, because he has a podcast. I don't know if you listen to his podcast called Pioneers Podcast. I want to. Sean has sent it to me, and I just oh. haven't checked it out yet. Dude, you would love it. It's like 
I feel like you would be all over it. But it's very much like he talks about like the creative process, but he also talks about like business and stuff. And he, I'm pretty sure he also has a graphic design business that he does. And like all, that, all so I just remember Demon Hunter. Demon Hunter is another good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that guy also has a graphic design uh, business, and he did the Metallica logo, like the new one that like it looks like a ninja star kind of. I was like, geez, dude. Like, but yeah, like Andrew Schwab is like the man. I sent him uh, a copy of my book yesterday, so nice. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Um, you know, uh, was it? What's the name of Demon Hunter's uh, creative team? Because they did the Monterville artwork. Oh. Did, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. no, I don't know the name. I know Ryan Clark is the lead singer. I don't yeah. know the name of their uh, creative like, team. It's like imaginative creature or something like that. Oh, is it, is it? What? Okay, now I know. You're, okay, this is going to be crazy. <laughs> I don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not beautiful monsters, is it? That's not. I don't think that's it. It's something. I don't know. I don't, I don't have like. Thistles. That that was the name of one of Fizzle's albums. <laughs> okay. Okay. But, um, but yeah, but I, I I saw the video. I want to say they also did Tadashi's too. Uh, Tadashi's Below Paradise with the, the car on flames. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, so it's just interesting to see like Christian metal working with Christian rap. Like I love that unity. That's like, you know, that's what Solomon's Porch is pretty much. A lot of the creative surround is is what we we, we thrive on. Uh, yeah. So it was pretty cool to see it too. So what are your favorite uh, comic book stories? Ooh. Okay, we were kind of talking about this earlier, but like Long Halloween was my very first Batman story I ever read, and that thing blew my mind. So I love so, Long Halloween. So are you excited about the new film? The Batman. So I am, and I'm also like, um, I'm not getting my hopes up either. Like I, I'm, <laughs> I'm cautiously optimistic. I'll say it yeah. like that. I don't like the cow. The cow is making me nervous. Yeah. The way that they made, I'm hoping that's like only ten minutes of the movie, and then he like ditches it and gets a better one. But I, I mean, I'm excited for the story. I'm excited to see a lot of the different villains come in and like the early and it's kind of like a different take. I will say like I'm getting kind of tired of all the remakes. To be completely honest with you, like redoing Batman so many times, like it's getting kind of old. Same with like Spider Man and all that. Like we've done Spider Man like three or four times now, so it's just like, dude, but. I mean, I'm excited, but I'm also cautious about it. Like, you know, not getting my hopes up. I just wish they would have, like, taken Gotham, the show, and, like, fast forward, like, 10 years. Yeah. And, and kept going with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I think a lot of people are, are getting tired of remakes and redos, and, um, which I'm excited about them bringing John Berthall back for Punisher. Oh, they're bringing him back? I think so for the MCU. I think oh, so. Um, dude. So that I'm excited about because they are continuing a great actor playing a great character. Uh, however, all of the rest of the the Netflix folks are not going to be returning. I, I think Charlie Cox has made the definitive decision not to do Daredevil. Uh, oh. So that kind of sucks because he did a wonderful job. He but uh, but I, I and uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, I think he said he wanted to come back as Kingpin because he wanted to do something with Spider-Man, uh, which oh. would be great. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of excited, but at the same time, you know, uh, I, I think they those key care. I think whoever sells the most comics is usually the ones where they try to bring in um, into the films. So naturally, Batman, Superman, uh, which I'm glad they rebooted Superman because the 
the the Superman Returns movie was not good at all to me. No, <laughs> I did not like that at all. Uh, but um, I I think Man of Steel was a great movie. Like a lot of people hate on it. I it's liked one it. Of my favorite DC um, universe movies post Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I I don't know what everybody said. I mean, they said it was too dark or whatever. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, well, it's, it's, okay, this drives me crazy. I'm going to get on the soapbox real quick. It drives me crazy because people complain about Superman being boring because he's too good. So then yeah. they make a dark version of Superman, and they complain that it's not light enough. It's like, what do you want? You know what I mean? It's like, it just makes me crazy. We need a um, $500 billion injustice film is what we need. Yes. Theory. That's what we yeah. need. So we're not going to get it, but that's what we need. Um, so, however, uh, what about uh, Snyder Cut? You excited about that? Or? Snyder Cut because Justice League was such a big disappointment for me. I was so excited for it, and like, I really think this this ah, I cannot talk today. I really think the Snyder Cut is going to be at least better than what we got. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, and the six hour long <laughs> like oh it's gonna be six hours it's like he said oh. he's got he said he's got six hours of unused film that he's using to do um and so the, the talk is that they're going to put it on hbo max as a series gotcha like a four to six part series and break it up because it's so long <laughs> um so yeah I, i'm excited to see because you know we didn't get hardly any cyborg at no. all and uh, and so we're going to get a lot more cyborg. We're going to get uh, yeah, dark side. We're going to get Green Lantern, uh, oh. because and, and we're, we're probably going to talk about comic books the rest of this interview, y'all. So if you're not interested, you might as well stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, so the scene, you know, the clip where the, you know Alfred was like, "Oh, we we're waiting for you to come." Uh, that was supposed to be Green Lantern, but they cut oh. it from the film. So, like, the very first trailer that they they released had a lot of, still had Zack Snyder in the core of the trailer. And so, that's kind of the issue with the the film itself had so much missing from the, that was in the trailers, because they had, uh, what's-his-face come in and, and take over, and... And you know, and, um, so that, that, that was the issue. I think that whole movie had a disaster from uh from the get-go and then that and then batman versus superman was was fed into that and was taking it on a different trajectory and then all of a sudden warner brothers was like nah we don't want to go this route and it's like you know like come on warner brothers y'all are terrible y'all suck um because <laughs> they're the reasons why like and then they cut the film down to two hours and yeah. so it was just like and and the the 100 cgi steppenwolf was an issue and um, so many issues, you know, we could do a whole podcast series just talking about the problems with the movie, uh, <laughs> or just Good. Warner Brothers and, and the new, uh, situation, but, um, Dude, that's another thing, like, okay, it, it drove me crazy that they canceled Swamp Thing right when yeah. it came out. Have you seen Swamp Thing? I started watching it, but then as soon as they announced they stopped it, I stopped. Gotcha. I didn't want to continue, because I, I, problem with me, it, you watch Big Bang Theory? I do not. I've I've seen a couple episodes, but I'm okay. not like. Those episodes where one of the characters, like he's got kind of obsessive compulsive disorder, and so one of the things that he talked about in the show is I don't know if I want to start watching The Flash because if I do, I have to watch it until it ends. Gotcha. 
My problem is it's hard for me to like start something whenever I don't know if it's like if I'm going to stick with it. Um, and so Swamp Thing was like, if they're not going to continue this, there's no point in me getting all caught up in this season. Gotcha. Um, and so, however, they continue doing Doom Patrol, and I, I really dislike that show. Yeah. Um, it's, the thing on Swamp Thing that makes me so mad is because it's like, okay, I used to be really into the Flash and the Arrow, not as much anymore. My thing is like Swamp Thing, I think arguably, like, I, I think when it comes to quality, like acting quality, production quality is the best DC show ever. Like, that's my opinion. I'm, I'm throwing that out there. I think it's the best produced. It's the best visually. It's the best tonally. Like, the acting is the best. Like, because here's the thing. I used to love The Flash and Arrow, but, like, some of the acting on those shows yeah. was rough. Like, <laughs> like you were like, ooh. But whereas, like, Swamp Thing is, like, even the weakest actors on Swamp Thing still aren't, like, you don't want to just, like, turn it, turn it off. You know what I mean? It's very good. It's a little gory. I will say I'm not a huge gore guy, so some of the scenes are like, oh, like it makes you just hurt just like looking at it. But I gotta watch it. It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I I really need to go back and watch it because I've heard it was you know the first episode to me was you know made me feel like it was gonna be better than than the other shows. And uh, but as soon as I heard that, I was just like, man, I I can't continue watching it because I'm I'm gonna be so mad. If they ended it on a cliffhanger or something, and they don't, like, continue going. Um, so, yeah. Well, Hayden, um, I appreciate your time, man. Uh, yep. Thank you so much for for talking about this. Uh, so, Amazon, is that, the, is that the the exclusive place to go get it right now? At the moment, yes. So, they can just type in. If you just go and type in the Crimson Six, uh, I think it'll pop up on Amazon. But, uh, you know, type his name as well. Uh, and, and I'll actually have the Amazon link in the description of the show and everything. So y'all can go and check that out and click on that, take you right to it. And, um, and it's not a super long read. I mean, it is a pretty thick book, uh, but you know, it's, you, you could read it, um, probably in, a, in, in one setting, if depending on how fast you read, um, cause you don't have like, you know, 13 hour conversations in here, like some books do, <laughs> And, and I and I kind of appreciate. I like the short and sweet. Um, so like you know, not having to drag out, you know, five different pages of of conversation for one story plot. Um, I, I appreciate it, uh, especially in today's time where you know we got so much going on and time is cut short, uh, to where you having to sit there and spend so much time getting one story. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean the artwork is great. Um, I mean, the story was good and, you know, there's, there's kind of a, an, I guess, well, I don't know if you consider it a teaser for the next one. It kind of reminded me of like Spider-Man film at the end of it. Um, so I'll just leave it at that. Uh, one of the spider I think it was the first Spider-Man film. Um, but either way though, um, I'm looking forward to seeing whatever else you got coming out after this. And, um, and I appreciate you doing the, uh, the Jason and Sean, metalhead version of a sean thought his look uh he aspired to to look like that uh, so so you gave him some inspiration Sweet. Uh, <laughs> so he was like yeah that's a little bit thinner than what i am right now but i can work toward it <laughs> so oh, yeah life. man so so yeah man y'all reach out to him uh where can they find you at uh what is hayden drawing on instagram is the best place okay so just Instagram primarily? 
Yeah, I, I got a Facebook, but I'm not as Facebook inclined. Like, I'm kind of dumb when it comes to how to use Facebook. But Instagram is where you can find me the best. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, y'all go check them out. Again, this is Hayden Cockrell with uh, the Crimson Six. And we'll be back with another interview. All righty. That was my interview with Hayden. Uh, Hayden, if you're listening, thank you so much for being a part of this. And I, I apologize for it taking so long to get this out uh hopefully the book has done well and uh, and it is a good read y'all make sure you check it out um you know but uh, it, it was really good to hear kind of that process of what it's like to do a graphic novel uh independently using amazon services and uh and i'm hoping to release some of my study guides uh, pretty soon on amazon so it's definitely helpful for me as well and uh, thank you all for checking it out and tuning in. Again, thank you, Jay Sannon and LT Smith, for being Patreon supporters of the show. You guys rock. I appreciate you. And I uh, also want to just, you know, say thank you, everybody who's been listening thus far for the last few years. I appreciate you. And we'll be back with a few more episodes, so make sure you stay tuned into those. Don't don't check out just quite yet. Don't unsubscribe quite yet. And, uh, and there's still a... You know, if this is one of your first times listening, I have a huge catalog of interviews with some phenomenal people, great different topics and stuff and interviews. So make sure you dig into the archives. And uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll be back with another one, hopefully soon. And always remember, the more you learn, the more you know. And the more you know, the more you grow. Thanks and God bless.